Welcome to Faith and Family. I'm your host, Andy Bates. It is Monday, February 10th, and it is time to start a new week and another commandment. We've been covering the Ten Commandments here on Faith and Family, and we're getting close to the end this week, the Eighth Commandment. Next week, we'll wrap up with the Ninth and Tenth Commandment. So I I hope that it uh, has been helpful to you, as it has been to me, as we work through these topics, uh, all related to the uh, Ten Commandments, these real-life stories, uh, talking with experts and everyday people about the Ten Commandments. It's been good conversation for me. I hope it is for you as well. I want to say thanks to our underwriter, Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting this program. To find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin, just go to our website, kfuo.org. Look for their logo in the sponsor section. It's a CUW logo there. Just click on it. It'll take you to their page and find out about the programs they have to offer and the locations where Concordia University, Wisconsin is available. Go check it out. Well, today we get into the Eighth Commandment, as promised, and uh, our guest, returning guest, Dr. Jack Vines, clinical psychologist. Dr. Jack Vines, good to have you back with us. Well, hello from the frozen north. <laughs> I guess it's frozen everywhere, so whatever, you know. Uh, yeah. It, my, my, yesterday after church, and I did, I'm doing a Bible class on Daniel, and uh, Daniel's daily life assurances uh, for our lives and stuff. Anyway, my uh, five-and-a-half-year-old grandson and my 33-year-old son and I went out. We got a big creek and uh, trees behind our house. And for the first time, I've been in this house since 1988, and for the very first time, the creek was solid ice, and so we were able to use that ice bridge, if you will, to go from one end of the forest to the other. We've never been over to the other side because the creek is so wide and deep, and so this time we jumped on over there, and according to my uh, five-and-a-half-year-old grandson, we fought saber-toothed tigers, aliens, and monsters. <laughs> and uh, We were very successful at that, extremely successful, so we returned home for a victorious hot chocolate. So, Well, but, it uh, sounds like you've been up to uh, some great adventures. I had great and freezing adventures. I want I want some warm adventures now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, here in the Midwest, we we're we're frozen through, man. It's uh it's been pretty cold here lately, and uh, it, it would be nice to uh, to have some warmer weather. We've got some sunshine today, at least, so it's it's nice to to see that sun peeking through. Just a few clouds out there, but uh, I, I saw a church marquee the other day as I was heading to our church. It said, uh, "Whoever is praying for snow, please stop." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, directive it, fun, you know. <laughs> absolutely. Well, Doctor Fines, it, we always have good conversations with you. We always talk about uh, a variety of things pertaining to the family, and this week we start our conversations on the Eighth Commandment. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll read through that here. We'll, I'll talk about the Eighth Commandment here and uh, just a little bit, but. Uh, I want to say you do always do a fantastic job of helping us understand, especially the relationship between parents and children and uh, and family matters. So it's good to have you back with us. And uh, you ready to jump into the uh, the eighth commandment? Sure, I appreciate. It. I love uh, talking to you about all this stuff. This is fun. It makes it relevant. It's just like we're doing with Daniel, we make it relevant because it's got to be relevant. It's supposed to be related to our lives, and that's what's. Uh, the eighth commandments are actually like a giant flashlight. Uh, the world's pretty dark. And uh, it was pretty dark for the Israelis back then, uh, right after coming out of Egypt. And uh, God said, listen, don't forget, I, uh, the first part of Exodus 20 is, don't forget, I re- redeemed you and saved you. The last part is, I love you forever. But in between, he says, there's a pretty good flashlight. If you want to make it to the world, follow these rules or follow these ideas. And uh, quite frankly, if we do, when the flashlight works well and we find our way. 
And and these, uh, you know, his commandments also do a, a fine job of of uh, holding up that mirror and showing us how how we how much we need a savior because we fail and cannot keep them perfectly. Exactly. Exactly. Completely. The eighth exactly. commandment: You shall not give false false testimony against your neighbor. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbor, betray him, slander him, or hurt his reputation, but defend him, speak well of him, and explain everything in the kindest way. Now, in that explanation from from Dr. Luther, there's a lot packed in there. You know, if you just read the commandment, you should not give false testimony against your neighbor, it just sounds like you're not supposed to say any lies about your neighbor. That's correct. There's more packed into this, isn't there? I mean, if we really uh, uh, unpack it uh, and and look at the explanation that that Dr. Luther has given us, uh, there's more to it than that. Why? Well, I tell, go on. Why is this commandment important in families? Oh my lands! I tell you what, I gotta, I gotta uh, tell you. When I was a kid in first grade at Christ Lutheran School in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, we had this uh, pastor named Pastor Knox. He's a great guy scared the bejeebers out of me because he was six foot eight and weighed 350 pounds. He formerly played for the Green Bay Packers, so when he taught us the commandments, we listened. <laughs> but uh, uh, And when we got to this Eighth Commandment, as a kid, I was going like, are you kidding? Seriously? I mean, I, I can understand the commandments of don't kill, don't steal, don't covet, don't commit adultery, always go to church and take care of your mom and dad. But when I got to this commandment, I'm going like, you know, don't talk bad about your neighbor or, and, you know, then try to edify him and stuff. And I'm going like, Whoever will commit this sin? It was it was like uh, you know it was I thought as a first grader it was sort of maybe you know first and second grade we all were talking Chet Kreiler and Tony Scarborough and I in the class was this is sort of a waste of time command no one's ever going to do this okay and then all of a sudden the kids in the class started talking bad about one of the girls how she looked like something bad and you know people started making fun of somebody else and then all of a sudden as I got older and I've now reached a lot older than first grade you know that I notice that this is the commandment that everybody breaks all the time. I mean, uh, in fact, we were talking about it in Bible class the other day. I mean, a lot of us aren't really going out and stealing something from somebody who a lot of us are coveting, but, you know, we really don't kill people, and we do tend to honor our moms and dads, and we do tend to come to church on Sundays, and we don't put graven images a lot of times in our backyards. <laughs> but we are constantly, constantly gossiping. In fact, what I say is this is really the worst offense, worst offending commandment, you could possibly get. In fact, it was the one that actually, if you will, got nailed Jesus in front of Sanhedrin. These people were bearing false witness against him. They were asking him questions, doubting him. Uh, instead of edifying him, they were beguiling him. And so the very commandment we're talking about was the one, the night of uh, the, the betrayal, uh, that quite frankly uh, got Jesus into trouble with the Sanhedrin and got Jesus smack dab in front of Pontius Pilate. So it is a uh, extremely vibrant, extremely vibrant commandment, and extremely relevant to all of us. And, and, and if you want to look toward the commandment that what I thought was really peculiar and somewhat useless, this is the one, and I actually jokingly call it the, the, uh, the, the commandment for adult Lutherans, because if you ever go to a voters' meeting or ever go to a, you know, a staff meeting or something, uh, this, I mean, this commandment is front and center in, in terms of the breakage, because people are always saying, well, what do you think of this guy? What do you think of that guy's opinion? Blah, 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 blah. It's terrible. But it, it is very relevant to families, extremely relevant to kids, because what do we have going on in our society? We have kids backbiting each other. We have bullying going on. We have people, the kids that are making statements about other kids or other families or 
what kind of car they drive, what kind of clothes they wear, what kind of food they eat. It's terrible. It's rampant. And if there's any commandment that's relevant, directly relevant to a mom and a dad and their kids, it's this one. You, you you really pointed out a bunch of, of different topics there that I think we'll, we'll get to hopefully today in the family and at home, uh, online, uh, in the church, all, all places where this commandment is, is important for us to understand. L- let's start with at home, uh, relationship between parents and children. Uh, with the children being dishonest to parents about a, a number of things, you know, with a child being, just children in general learning this uh this as as a moral lesson early on in life, learning about honesty and being honest. Um, I, I certainly don't want to moralize God's word, make make God's word only about morals, but we certainly do learn from God's word and, and other places morals. The, children being honest to their parents about a number of things, you know, for example, being honest about what's happening at school, about their grades, or about uh, their friends and who they spend time with. Um, or you know, something as simple as, as maybe lying about uh, completing a chore at home. When when parents say, you know, when when mom or dad says, "Have you cleaned your room? Did you finish cleaning your room?" Uh, and and the the child child says, "No, can I go play my?" Or says, "Yes, can I go play my video games now?" And and without the parent actually checking to see if the room was clean yet, and uh, no, giving them permission to go ahead and play video games, the, the child's being dishonest because they they want to go play video games. They don't want to clean the room. That's correct. Let me let me tell you. Let's let's stop. Stop. Let's go back a little before we get to the the kids, and let's then go forward into the meaning of this commandment. Okay. okay. All right. Going backwards, the typical human home, unfortunately, with a mom and a dad. If there's a mom and a dad, there, for that matter, if there's a single parent, they've got in-laws and, or cousins or whatever. It's the parents' image, the parents' behavior that the kids tend to follow. If the parent seems overly lenient and allows any story to be told at any time or any statement, or any, it doesn't check for, like, maybe the, the derivatives of it, but let's say that it's true or not true. If a parent is just very laissez-faire, a stream of consciousness kind of thing, that is not a good model. I mean, it's not that you have to be a, a dictator, a, a, you know, a, somebody who, a, a, you know, is stark and, and checks everything, but a parent has to have some sense of accountability with the child so that there's, you know, the child realizes that they have some sense of accountability to the parent. So, number one, a lot of it derives from what the parents' guidance is. Number two, the parents' behavior. If you see mom and dad backbiting all the time, talking negative, oh, your mom says this, but forget about it, or your dad says this, or forget about it, or your mother's mother-in-law says this, you know, and they talk, they, talk, they talk negative about themselves, or talk negative about their coworkers, or talk negative about their, their family, or negative about their neighbors, guess what, boys and girls? The boys and girls will do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So the first step, is parents do not talk negative about others in front of your kids. Do not talk, do not think negatively, and, and try to, I don't want to say this to be so uh, uh, draconian or stentorian that they got to be so, ne- you know, watching every move of their kid, but let the children know that behavior is purposeful. Behavior is important. It's not just some kind of thing that's cheap that you say, well, okay, it doesn't matter if I lie about this because it doesn't mean anything. Behavior means something. Honest behavior means something, and dishonest behavior means something. So at the get-go, at the get-go, the parents have to model this commandment themselves, or else Johnny and Betty, or whoever's in the house, are going to say, well, hey, there's no re-, you know, they'll be listening to this commandment as rote, as lip service, rather than as behavior. It's got to apply to the family dynamic. It's got to apply. 
Number two, we tend to approach these commandments from the negative side, and that is, you know, don't talk evil about your neighbor. If you take a look at Martin Luther's side, Martin Luther always writes from the positive side, okay? He doesn't, he, Martin Luther does not write things in his explanations that are negative. We, I took the class last year to the, it was fun, we took the daily applications of Luther's large catechism. And if you take a look at the Luther's large catechism, which I don't think anybody ever reads, <laughs> but anyway, if you take a look at that, it's all reasonably positive language. Like, why are we doing these things? And if you read what you said earlier today on the broadcast, it says you're supposed to build up and edify the, the neighbor, build up and edify the person. And it's what you tell with kids is the reason we're not lying about somebody is our purpose in life with communication, our purpose in life and talking is to help the other guy, is to build up the other guy, is to build up the person, build up your brother or sister. If she can't maybe tie her shoes, tell her what a great job she is drawing colors of a rainbow. If, she, if he can't quite figure out you know, what kind of way to write a four or an E or uh, write a sentence, maybe he's really good at kicking a soccer ball. To find those things that are clues to the good and positive behavior of another person and focus on it. Because instead of trying to avoid the negative, we emphasize the positive. And if we're emphasizing the positive, we don't have enough time to worry about the negative. <laughs> because we've only got so much time in the day that we start being positive with people. I And I hear what you're saying. I, I think... One my one parent. So what you're saying is that the the example that parents set is is really key in teaching this this commandment to children. Um, the example that you as a parent provide in conversations at home and even outside the home. The the example you set as you interact with other adults and with with your children, uh, how you speak about your neighbor greatly impacts uh, how your child is going to view this commandment. And so I, the question I think that, that some parents might raise is, what about that that one person that uh, you if you need to talk about at home for some reason that you don't, there's nothing really good to say that they, they've been hurtful to other people. How do you, how do you put the best construction on, on, and explain those types of things in the kindest way? Well, I think that ties us into another uh uh, well, <laughs> it's sort of interesting how you brought that up, because it ties it right back down to the Israelis coming out of uh, out of Egypt. Uh, uh, if you think of Exodus 20, verse 1, I don't want to get too theological here, because I'm, a, I'm not a, a theologist, theology, I'm a psych guy. But if you take a look at the first passage here, it says, I'm the Lord your God that redeemed you, that's redeemed you out of Egypt, okay? Uh, you know, he, they didn't need to be redeemed. I mean, I mean, there was there's no book that says what God has to do, but he did do that, okay? And then we get to that word that relates to redemption, and boy, that's the word forgiveness, okay? And so there are many people, we are going to run into a lot of ostriches and a lot of armadillos and a lot of porcupines in our life. We are going to. There are lots of people that are out there just plain old nasty, okay? And they're sometimes in third grade, and sometimes they're in fourth grade, and either in high school. And guess what? They're next door to us in our, our field of work. And they're, they're, they're out there to cause trouble. And, uh, and they're, they're out there. I mean, there was a guy named Judas who gave Jesus a wonderful time, you know. And what, what we have to do is we have to be honest, direct. I guess the word will be articulate. And maybe go through the, the, the process of uh, debriefing at night. That, you know, I, I know that's a big, bad word, but debriefing, where mom and dad and the kids talk about uh, that character at work or that character at school that we got to 
be careful for because they're always sticking a pencil in us, they're always lying about us, or they're always taking our lunch, or whatever goes on, or making gossiping. Now it's all cyberbullying on the, the Internet. I mean, the Eighth Commandment is as old as Moses and as new as cyberbullying, you know? And uh, they're always in there doing that. And so we can talk about that with a family debriefing. What is it that bugs who, and what is bugging you today about somebody? So we get it out of our system. But then what we do is say, instead of talking bad about them, instead of continuing the cyberbullying with them, instead of continuing being angry at them and stuff, we say exactly what the Lord said in Exodus 20, verse 1, and exactly what his whole emphasis was in the New Testament, and that is we tend to be able to say we don't continue the argument, we don't continue to hate, but we tend to find a way to forgive them, okay? And that doesn't mean that we get to be their best friend. It doesn't mean that we have to put their picture on the wall and put love uh, hearts all around it for Valentine's Day. It does mean that we forgive them and we do not carry the grudge in our heart. And that's a big part of forgiveness. We do not carry the grudge in our heart. And I think kids can understand saying that they most kids carry a lot of grudges. I mean, that's what uh, kids are Olympic athletes and grudging. Uh, and so the best thing to say, we're going to debrief about it, we're going to talk about it, we're going to try to make some sense of it if we can, but we're going to say, Let's let's pray for forgiveness for that person so that even though they're besetting us and uh, attacking us, we don't let the grudge grow in our heart. Hmm. So what you're saying is that uh, we should, because God has been merciful to us, we should be merciful to others. Yeah. I mean, that just happens to, what the Lord said, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, that's, uh, and uh, it's uh, all over the uh, epistles of John, one, two, three, whatever, that, you know, uh, we're, God is love, love one another, you know? We should, we see, the purpose of those commandments is not just to tell us not what to do. It's like what Martin Luther says. It's what to tell us what to do. Mm-hmm. And what to do is edify one another, build up, build up one another. Because, you know, you can avoid, you know, I guess if you want to get back into my field of psychology, there's two ways of uh, achieving something. One is fear of failure, which means uh, watch out, don't do something wrong. The other is motiva- motivation to approach success, and that is trying to find things the right way to do them. And quite frankly, what we, I think a lot of what the commandments are doing is that, okay, here are some very unsuccessful ways to live, but don't try to be unsuccessful. Try to be successful, edify one another, build it up, do whatever you can to help your neighbor out. And I think you know, obviously holding a grudge doesn't do that, and obviously talking bad about the other doesn't do it, and obviously gossiping or cyberbullying or going after them doesn't do it. But maybe debriefing, saying, this guy is really bugging me at school. What do I do about it? Or this girl is always constantly gossiping about me. What do I do about it? You debrief it, try to get some resolution to it, and in their heart, you try to get rid of the grudge and get the forgiveness in there. That, I'm telling you, those are the kind of lessons that uh, we could learn not only at a young age, but at an older age. You know, the Eighth Commandment, uh, I'll tell you the truth, it directly relates to stress reactions when you're adults. Because what is it when people come to my office, and they come all the time, with all kinds of stress and all kinds of anxiety and all kinds of depression about work or home or whatever, the number one thing they're carrying in their heart is grudging, because they're upset that somebody is saying something, doing something, acting something to them. They can't quite get the feelings across to somebody, and it's a big grudge. And if we get the grudge out, you get the stress out, guess what? You're less depressed. Hmm. So if you were... uh... You're doing your best to set an example for your children, and you find that they are still lying uh, about someone or speaking poorly about their neighbor, uh, someone at school. Um, 
how do you even begin a conversation like that? You're you're doing your best to set an example at home and in conversations with your children and with others, but you find that they're still setting, they're still, you know, uh, showing disrespect to someone else or speaking poorly about someone else at school. How do you begin that conversation? Well, that gets back to the old word accountability. Okay. Uh, you see, you, you, got, you, you, you sort of hope to give, and honestly, we just parents, I've got uh, almost 40-year-old daughter and a 34, almost 34-year-old son, i got four grandkids, three grandsons and granddaughter, okay? And generally speaking, you know, we got, uh, you know, uh, reasonably good relations on things, but guess what? Every once in a while, sometimes they just don't take the, the, take the message, okay? Especially when they're younger. And uh, it gets down to uh, uh, daily accountability. So what happens is you, and unfortunately or fortunately, whatever you want to say, there does have to be one of those uh, uh, discipline evaluation sort of sessions where you say, Johnny, you told me, and this, I mean, it's cleaning the room or it's uh, talking about, or lying about homework or whatever, uh, you know, and by the way, uh, it's some of the stuff they lie about are things that are reasonably at that age identifiable. Uh, in other words, if they say they're doing their homework and they get a report card with C's and D's and F's, <laughs> probably not, you know. And if, the, if they say they're cleaning their room and when you walk in there you have Tarzan and the zoo coming after you <laughs> because it hasn't been cleaned for hundreds of years, uh, I mean, yeah, you sort of know they've been lying, okay? Uh, but uh, but you, you have to have a session of some degree of discipline, okay? Because you can't you can't just overly pass that off because, quite frankly, what did I say earlier today? A lot of it depends on the parent's behavior and the parent's, the parent's reaction to things. So having said that, the parent meets with them and says, this behavior going on here is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. And then there's two things that occur. And this, by the way, is based on a lot of the research by a psychologist named Ross Park, P-A-R-K-E. And people can Google his name and then find out about him. Ross Park. The first is you set down the rule. And the rule is we're going to follow the Eighth Commandment, and we're not going to lie, we're not going to cheat, we're not going to hide, we're not, this is not appropriate behavior for a Christian. Number two, because you have done this, you're going to lose an incentive for a while. Now, everybody, by the way, at least according to the research that Marty Mayer and I have done, we all tend to be incentive-based people. doesn't mean we're mercenary, but we all like something. I mean, people like to watch football, or people like to eat popcorn, or people like to, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know take walks, or people like to collect things. It, it, play with matchbox toys, whatever, okay? But you take an incentive away, okay? And you find, maybe using the computer, you, whatever it is, texting. You take the incentive away for a just period of time. Well, I, I just have to be determined by the parent, but, you know, taking uh, the cell phone away from a 16-year-old who's lying for the rest of her life is probably a little over the edge, okay? Taking it away for a week to 10 days is, appears appropriate. But then comes the third stage. The first is rulemaking, you know, the second is incentive, and the third is tracking or accountability. And that is, that, uh, is and I'm not trying to be direct about this or directly applicable, but the one thing in uh, groups like Alcoholics Anonymous or AA or some of those is there's daily accountability and uh, or weekly accountability where you have, a, you have to say to somebody, I have not done this or I have done this, okay? And, uh, it's, uh, and I think that what happens then is that the child adult, uh, the adolescent, says to uh, their parents on a daily basis, okay, a daily basis, yes, I have done my homework, here it is. Or yes, I have, let's say, cleaning the room, this is what I did, I put my whatever clothes away or whatever, I did my laundry, whatever it may be, okay? And so that therefore 
there's a it's on a it's on an equal footing of communication with an adult, and so they know the adult cares, not the adults uh, disciplinary like it's Stalag 17, but the adult has informed them that's the rule. The adult has taken some incentives away because of the lost rule, and the adult now follows them with an accountability model to say to make sure the behavior habit changes because all behavior is a habit. Hull, H-U-L-L, back in the day, proved that humans behave by habit. And so what you do is you take a bad habit away, a bad habit of misbehavior and lying and cheating, and you replace it with a good habit of accountability. And so it's a three-stage process, but that's a process to follow. And quite frankly, when we follow that and use that therapeutically with people, and I've sort of been doing this since 1978, so I'm not quite ancient of days when I'm ancient of something, but uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, when you, when you, I find that when kids understand the rule and when kids lose an incentive because they didn't play by the rule and when kids get accountability and they have a they have, they develop a partnership with the parent to be able to tell about that accountability then it tends to replace a bad habit over time we're discussing the eighth commandment with dr jack Vines, clinical psychologist on uh, talking about honesty gossip and uh, hopefully we'll get to social media we need to take a quick break when we come back from that break we'll continue our conversation with dr jack Vines. stick around Concordia University, Mequon, Wisconsin, overlooks the beautiful shoreline of Lake Michigan. This serene main campus of CUW is just 15 miles north of Milwaukee with all its vibrant cultural attractions. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, students living by the motto of inspiration in action can choose from 69 undergraduate majors, 14 master degree programs, and doctorates in pharmacy, physical therapy, and nursing practice. For more information or to take a virtual tour, visit cuw.edu. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, Executive Director of Life Issues Institute. The abortion rate is the lowest since 1973. The Guttmacher Institute, first founded to be the research arm of Planned Parenthood, surveyed abortionists and found a 13% drop from 2008 until 2011. The latest year figures were available. Researchers say the survey reflects a time before a rash of states enacted protective laws curtailing abortion. But I think the jury's still out on past pro-life laws. They also say it doesn't reflect the fewer number of abortionists in business. All things considered, less abortions are in a large part due to pro-life education. Life Issues Institute is the only group solely dedicated to educating America to the realities of abortion. We're leading the way in being a successful window to the womb, and it's working. Check out Life Issues on Facebook and stay more informed than you've ever been. Hi, Craig D'Onofrio here. I'd like to invite you to join me on a new program called Reformation Rush Hour. We'll talk about all sorts of great things, worldwide religious news, what's going on around the Synod, the fascinating and sometimes wacky world of Christian history, and a segment that I'm excited about called Lutheran on Purpose. You're invited to call in and help resolve the world's issues Mondays through Fridays at 5 p.m. starting Monday, February 11th, right after Issues Etc. on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. Have you ever thought about becoming a Worldwide KFUO Day sponsor? There are plenty of reasons to do so. Perhaps a birthday, an anniversary, 
celebration of a baptism, confirmation, graduation, any event, it's easy. Just call Mary or Joni at 1-800-844-0524. That's 800-844-0524. And become a worldwide KFO Day Sponsor today. Welcome to today's Lottery Troy. And today's winning numbers are not yours, not yours, and another number that's not yours. And the final number is not yours. When it comes to having money, don't rely on luck. Brew your own coffee at home instead of buying that latte. Brown bag it to work instead of ordering it. Go to feedthepig.org for more free ideas on how to save. Feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Aerialist Nick Walenda has completed a tightrope walk inside the Georgia Dome, cheered on by more than 30,000 people at a Christian music festival as he carefully moved more than 100 feet above the field without a harness or safety net. The High Wire Act took place during the Winter Jam Tour featuring New Song, the Newsboys, and other Christian bands. New Song's Matt Butler says before the show, He prayed with us and prayed for us, and we prayed for him, and then we go on stage, and next thing you know, he's up on the wire, and we're like, all right, Lord, we brought him here to do this, so just protect him. Well, Edna was wearing a microphone and stopped midway across to share his faith with the audience. He talked about hard work and discipline and paralleled that with his life with Christ and the amount of time he spends in the Word. And The closer he gets to God, the more faith and confidence he has in what he does. And All the while, he's up on this wire, and he's just sharing about his faith, talking about the Lord. Winter Jam continues with concerts across the country through March, but Saturday was Walenda's only scheduled appearance. I'm Steve Coleman. Welcome back to Faith and Family. I'm your host, Andy Bates. It is Monday, February 10th. We are talking about the Eighth Commandment with Dr. Jack Fiennes today. I want to invite our listeners, too, if you have questions today, you can give us a call, 314-821-0850 or 1-800-730-2727, or you can email your questions to family at kfuo.org. Glad to take your questions as we are talking about the Eighth Commandment. Now, uh, Dr. Fiennes, before we went to break, we were talking about the relationship between parents and children and setting a good example, and if that's not enough, then uh, be being accountable, uh, making sure that you're holding them accountable for uh, their words and their actions. Uh, one place that I think uh, accountability is uh, is really important today, uh, and I'm sure many parents would agree with me, is uh, social media, the internet uh, and, and social media. Um, and this is an area where I think uh, the Eighth Commandment probably uh, gets violated a lot. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, I'm going to sound really weird here, but I wish we all lived back in prehistoric times when the only guy that could write was Moses. (laughs) I mean, you know, really, when back, and you get back to those days, and maybe the days of Daniel when only one or two guys like he and Ezekiel were writing, you know. Well, you know, you don't have to worry too much about social media because people don't know how to write, you know. (laughs) They also can't read. But uh, the... But they uh, sure uh, could talk. (laughs) Yeah, they talked. Yeah, God, that did the the, the talking. Eighth Command was great on talking, but I, you know, I tell you, the... I, I, I do like to write. I do a lot of, do a lot of writing, and I, obviously I like to read, and I do, do get involved with the Internet you know, and stuff. So it is better. It's a great—I mean, you could do research now. I mean, I the other night I was doing some research on something in psychology. I had to write an article up, but instead of going to the grad stacks in the old days, I just typed in a couple names and typed in a couple topics, and immediately 151 different references showed up, and I could print off whatever I wanted to. And that's the glory of the whole thing of the Internet and the glory of uh, communication now. 
the death of the uh, or the bad betrayal issue is all this social media. And you know, I, what I see is sometimes, especially with kids, especially with kids, is they do anything that what social media has done for them is to not necessarily build up somebody and not necessarily show their favorite pictures of themselves and their friends and their dog or whatever, but to cut down somebody else and say, did you see what she wore today? Ooh, you know, or, you know, I'll never go to her house again. The the food her mother prepared was wow, you know, and that, you know, and they've got, I mean, they don't necessarily dislike people, but they make sure you infer from their communication that the, you know, person's a green rotting lobster or something. (laughs) It's terrible, you know. And, I, yeah, I, I think if there's one area, I mean, you know, I used the word accountability earlier, okay? One area of accountability, and, then, boy, I tell you what, uh, teenagers absolutely hate for you to sort of get into this, and you know, young people do, too, is, is be able to see what they're saying, be able to see what they're, what they're writing, and be able to see, quite frankly, that it's positive and building up somebody. And if you don't like somebody and you don't and you dislike how they act, don't tell the world about it. Just tell the world about the good things in your life. Maybe there's some neat things going on in school, good things going on in relationships, your dog's happy. Maybe you did a, a great thing at the uh, at cheerleading camp or the great thing at volleyball or basketball camp. Focus on that stuff. You're thanking God for some blessing in your life. You're, somebody got over a medical illness. Focus on that. But I think the social media is a disaster. You're, you, you know, you're, you know, there was a guy named Goldman years ago, uh, and Goldman wrote about emotional intelligence. And what Goldman says very definitively, and the data is backing him all the way, the human brain, emotionally, the human brain is not emotionally mature, mature until 17 or 18 years of age. And yet we have people who are at age 9 and 10 getting on the Internet communicating about people. Well, if you have immature people emotionally communicating about people eight years before their brain's ready to communicate, what do you think you're going to get, you know? And it's a mess. That's why I think, uh, really, if you, if you try, I guess they call them iPhones or iPads. There's so many i things I can't keep track of them anymore. Uh, the, but if you're going to have something like that beyond for education and maybe beyond certain games, and I'm not really fond of some of those games, but beyond some of that, if it gets into social media, you've got to almost develop with the child or the adolescent an open access policy, uh, which is, not all the time, and well, if there's a real problem, you've got to have an accountability model I talked about earlier, but a way where mom and dad can sort of swoop in every once in a while. What do they call those things that we're using in the Army? Drones, you know? Maybe fly a drone over the text messages or emails or Instagrams or Spotify's or whatever kids are using, tweet, twits, tweets, whatever, and see what's going on in there, you know? Uh, by the way, my uh, 15-year-old, or usually 16, my 15-year-old granddaughter wanted to be giving me on, I guess they call it Twitter or something, so I got on. I, 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 so I got on Twitter, and I thought I, I've never used this thing. All of a sudden, I had 117 people following me. I don't even know half these people. <laughs> so I, de- I, I guess I, I, I hope this is not a bad word, but I detwitted myself. You know, I, 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 I don't know how I did it either, but I did. But so, uh, I, I'm, I'm sort of in. Uh, I pushed the right button at the right time for the first time in computer history, and I detwitted myself. So I mean, but it's. But I, I think it's a matter. A matter of like being a little bit of a drone, you know, and making sure that those statements on there are not the kind of thing that would be what I'm going to use a heavy term here, libelous or negative or you know uh, some inflammatory, because that is absolutely a break of the eighth commandment. And quite frankly, 
it is, and I hear it in my office all the time, it is so much fun to do that. These kids just love to do that kind of stuff, okay? And, you know, they sludge it out on the air, and they, they and you know, write nasty stuff or put nasty little faces. These are, these are they call them emoticons, which are, you know, they can be happy, they can be little Santa Clauses, they can be crosses, or they can be evil monster-looking things. And, they, and that stuff's not called for. That stuff really not called for. I think one of the interesting things about uh, social media is that it's uh, social media and and the internet in in general, other other places on uh, on the internet is that you're you're putting information out in the public square. Basically, uh, you're sharing information. Uh, while it might just be you know on on Facebook or other places, you might have your uh, settings to share just with your friends, but quite often it can very easily make it to other circles of people uh, without your. Uh, without your permission with or without your permission it can make it to other people and i think this comes back to what we were talking about earlier the example that parents set uh speaks volumes to what your child is going to learn the example that you set as a as a parent will certainly influence what your child uh learns and what your child practices when it comes to uh communication and how they speak about others and speak to others so so how adults are acting on the internet, on social media, and other places online, uh, you know, it, it, and that alone, I think, is is setting an example for your children. Well, I tell you, if anybody wants to know, and I think it was a shocking re- revelation, shocking revelation. I've heard this from meh, probably dozens or so people. Last Thursday and Friday, I think even Wednesday, Facebook uh, did this thing where they went on their past ten year anniversary and they created little movies. I, I would, I'm going to call them movies. Uh, movies of your favorite posts and your favorite pictures and your favorite friends, blah, 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 blah. And they got a, a soundtrack with it all. Oh, it was almost like watching Ben-Hur. It was marvelous, okay? <laughs> but then you got to ask yourself the question, where did they get this stuff, okay? And then you got to say, you know, for anybody who thinks when they put something on Spotify or Instagram or Facebook that it doesn't exist anymore, that it's out there floating around and it just goes away, think again. Facebook, by their very actions last week, prove to Western civilization or America or St. Louis or whatever that they have everything you ever put on there. And they not only have it, they can organize it. And they not only can organize it, they can present it. And what that means is once you put an electron, I call it an electron, once you put an electron out there to live on Facebook, it never dies. So if you said that Mrs., you know, I'm going to use a phrase here, Mrs. Smith, my fourth grade uh, teacher, smells like a cow, okay, or, you know, barks like a bear or something, okay, you can guarantee yourself that 10 years from now, a bear-barking fourth-grade teacher is going to show up on the Internet, okay? And so don't say what you don't want to keep. And that's a phrase I use for parents. That's a phrase I use for kids. Don't say what you don't want to keep, because when you put it on the Internet, it is keeping. It's absolutely keeping, okay? And so... And I know the urge to get in there and put a bad picture and put a bad statement or put a bad graphic is all over the place. But if you say it, the Internet will keep it. And I'm telling you, it doesn't take a hacker, and I'm not a hacker. It doesn't take someone of great IT intelligence to find this stuff. You can find out what somebody said, done, whatever, and you're not only then therefore breaking the Eighth Commandment at one point, if you will, you're breaking it iteratively. It's almost like an, I don't want to say eternal, but it's almost like a complete multiplication every day of bringing it. Because every time somebody pulls up 
the name of your fourth grade uh, teacher, you're going to see a barking bear, as it were. Okay, <laughs> it's, it's and you can't get rid of it. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can deny it, you can delete it, but guess what? You can't. It's out there. And that I I would I would tell you something. For, for as many people that I know that were so happy to see their Facebook movie because they got that thing that's like a four minute movie with the music and everything else, people others were shocked because they said that they really keep that. Oh yes, they do. And not only them, but other sources. And they do what's known as data the thing we call data diving, which means in terms of marketing, they study you and study you and study you. And the more negative you are, the more they know about it. You can't, you can't, you cannot outlive your electrons. You just won't. What? Why is it such a temptation for us to put these things out there? I guess sometimes it's out of anger. Uh, Kathleen says in her email, I think we've come to a time in this society that so many people only seem to be able to feel good about themselves by making others look badly. Even our TV and radio programming, with KFUO accepting, use programs that demean others. It is a very sad state of affairs when people don't have God and faith in their in life. Uh, I guess that's the only model they have to follow. When, when, when we don't have... God's word, when we uh, don't have his, as you said earlier, Jack, when uh, when we don't have that mercy and forgiveness, when we don't know that mercy and forgiveness, I guess we're more likely to, to act out in these ways. When we act in our old Adam, our old nature, we're more likely to put things out there to say bad things about others in, in order to, to uh, maybe feel good about ourselves, to find some pleasure in it. I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, w- when we do that, we're we're hurting others in the process. Well, I think it's going to tell you a couple of things. That's a really important question or point she brings up. First of all, we like stealth bombing, okay? Uh, you know, you have these stealth fighters, B-2 fight bombers, and F whatever it is, eleven. We love all that stealth stuff, okay? And we think we can sneak in and drop the nasty bomb on the Internet and sneak in and drop the nasty things on texting or whatever it is, okay? Even the media, and again, not talking about KF, you know, but you see it all the time and all the channels. We sneak in drop the bad bomb and fly out, and we think we can get by with it painlessly because I won the point, nobody noticed it was me, and you sneak out off the Internet. And actually, in effect, even if you did it once, that's wrong because it doesn't follow the principle of edifying the other person. Number two, it is sort of reinforcing. Psych, uh, psychologists for years have been talking about we absolutely love instant gratification, and when we type something on the Internet or we type something on a text or we type something and we see it, and we push a button, send, it's us. We can see our own inscription. That's, oh, my, that's wonderfully reinforcing. Reinforcingly bad, but reinforcing nonetheless. We've got to get away from that instant reinforcement of trying to put somebody else down and believing that it's stealthy because it isn't. And then we get back to the statement. that He was in front of mine. He was deceased now. He was Mormon. Steve Covey wrote a book called Principle-Centered Leadership. And I talked about principle-centered life, Okay. And the principles laid down by that flashlight, known as the Ten Commandments we discussed or described earlier, is the flashlight of principles you should lead in your life. And if you get this urge, this need, this tendency to grudge, or this to say, I got my text message and I'm really mad at that person, and I'm going to let them know and let everybody know what I think of, and I'm going to give them a zap or whatever you call it on, on the Facebook or you name your medium, okay? And then I'm going to feel real good about myself. You drop back and say... How is the principle, what principles are guiding my life? And if the principles are, let's go get him and let's feel good about it, well, you'll probably do it. But if you take a look at Luther, what his explanation was about edifying each other, if you take a look at Jesus Christ, love one another, you're like yourself, 
you know, you take a look at John's word about loving God is love and love one another. You take a look at Exodus 20, I redeemed you, which I read and you do, but I saved you out of Egypt. These are some great ways to lead your life. Uh, if you take a look at that, those may be the principles that say, you know, I don't like the guy. He mistreated me or she mistreated me. I'm going to sit down and think about it, maybe debrief with a friend. You know, adults can debrief with friends. That's what we talked about kids could. And maybe find a way to forgive them. Not necessarily become their best friend, but at least learn how to live with that without trying to attack. Hmm. As as I was thinking about uh, what you were sharing and, and, and about Kathleen's email, that, that takes me to uh, election season, campaign season, I should say. Uh, when when we have an election coming up, and most parents want their children to understand uh, the government and how government works, and uh, in many schools, obviously, would would teach about the election process as part of government. And not that I would advocate uh, children watching TV unsupervised, but when it during campaign season, the ads on TV alone, much less the the ones you find in other places are just horrific when it comes to the eighth commandment. None of them, uh, very few of them that I can recall from the, the last few campaigns were about the, what they stood for, but rather, uh, how awful their opponent was and all the things that, that their uh, opponent was doing wrong or, or all the, the failures of their opponent. How do you how, how do you deal with that as a parent? How do you try to teach your child about uh, government and good government uh, with all those examples? Well, let's let's go back to the basics. You know, okay? the basics is you're the parent or you're the guardian or you're the, the, the person who's teaching a child. So we deal with what we call input output functions. Okay, and the question is, what input do you want to have? And the input is instead of listening, uh, like listening to all these guys and all ladies and all both sides of the fence and all these elections. Instead of listening to what they're saying, sit down first. Here we go back to that statement I made earlier called principle-centered leadership, principle-centered parenting. And maybe the mom and the dad and the kids sit down and say, what does our, we are the Smith family. What does the Smith family hold as values? Do we believe in this? Do we believe in that? Do we want this for our country? Do we want that? And there's a myriad of little questions from taxes to abortion to lifestyle purposes in life to, you know, health care, whatever it is. What do we want ourselves? What do we start with the family first? Start with your value system first. Start with your principles first. Once the family identifies what their values are, and that's supposed to be, that's the input. The input is not listening to commercials. The input is not listening to debates or, or listening to politicians. The input is what we are first. Then what you do is say, what would be the best forum for us to hear what these candidates have to say about these issues? And, and quite frankly, the worst form is listing any commercials. I, 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 when those commercials come on, you might as well turn them off because they're going to sell uh, ice to an igloo. Okay, that's ridiculous. I mean, it's listing to those commercials, just turn them off. But if you find perhaps a debate, okay, where, and I'm not talking about many more debates are not like Kennedy and Nixon. I was, I was alive and watched Kennedy and Nixon, and that, those were real debates. These things now are slanders. But if you can find a debate, where you have two candidates talking and you walk in with in your mind with your principles of the family, okay, what we've already talked about before, then you can compare their data against your principles. And then you could say, well, this person represents those principles more than that person, or this principle represents 
is represented by this person better. That's how you make your communication. But the first start is within the family defining who their, what their principles are. And those principles then guide their decision to channel their watching of a, of a political process to where there's a, uh, a very uh, secure debate between two people or four people, whatever, where they think they can garner some information about those people. That's probably toward the end of the election process. But pay no attention to, to rumors, because that's the biggest break to the Eighth Commandment. And they'll pay no attention to, and I mean by rumors, advertising on TV. Pay no attention to all that literature you get in the mail. Pay attention to a, a good comparison between your family developed principles and what that person's saying. Hmm. We always go backwards. And the media loves to do that. They try to sell you. They tell you tons and tons and tons and stuff about the persons, what they're saying, and you get, and that's why you get all riled up emotionally and all this stuff, and then you don't know what to do. You're confused. First start by who you are, what you believe in, what your principles are, then compare what the person's saying in some, some professional debate system, and then you can make those decisions. You've stumped me. <laughs> uh, it's a backwards process. Yeah. It's like this. When you go, all right, if you want to go out and buy a pair of boots because it's snowy in St. Louis, okay, you go to all the various stores. There's hundreds of stores around you and check every boot out you like, okay, or you can see, or stay at home and say, what kind of boot do I want for my feet? Do I want a tall one, short one, thick one, mm-hmm. and what do I want to pay for it? And then you go to a store and find one that matches that money, matches that pattern when you buy. That's how you do it. Sure. And, and so I'm, I'm just thinking about how to have those conversations at home about uh, about who you are. Uh, you know, we're, we're the Smith family, we're the Bates family, and these are our values. Um, I, I, it seems to me you'd have to have those conversations frequently rather than just a one-time thing. Well, yeah. You know, you know it's sort of fun to sit around the couch. I mean, uh, almost everybody's got a room in their house, okay? And then you got a kitchen, you got a, a bedroom, you got a couch. Most of us have a backyard, you know? And you know what? You sit down and say, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Bates want to talk to the various and sundry Bateses, how many Bateses you have. And we say, hey, we got some issues. And, you, you know, it's not bad to maybe have a family conversation once a week or maybe once every other week. Mm-hmm. And talk about what's going on and what's important in the world. It's, you know, if you're going to go out and, and root for the Blues or you're going to go out and root <laughs> for the, whoever your, your team is you like, I guess the Cardinals, you can certainly have a conversation about something like this, what's important to us. And you don't have to do it all the time, but when the, when the elections start rolling, you sit down and talk about it, you know? In the old days, that's sort of what we did. You know, it was sort of fun. And uh, every once in a while, I got lucky and I got a chocolate milk to listen to them, you know? But, uh, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's, it's a thing called conversation. And all of these things we've talked about today, all of these things begin and end with conversation. The parents set the principles up. The parents identify the incentives. The parents identify the accountability. And the parents and the kids talk with each other, and they learn what good talk is. They learn what bad talk is. They learn what edification is. And, you know, there was a guy once. His name was Martin Luther, okay? And I think he wrote a series of books called Table Talks, and he talked about how parents and kids should get together and talk a lot. And, wow, we're not doing that anymore. Well, you can't do it by just assuming the other kid knows it or by assuming there's some module that's picking it up from mm-hmm. some maturity process because, according to the research by Goldman, there is no maturity process. Sit down with your kids. Discuss what your principles are. Discuss how you're going to live your life. Talk about the Eighth Commandment being a flashlight. Let them know how it's supposed to edify and build up one another. And let them know what's inappropriate and what can happen if they do act inappropriately and set up an accountability schedule such that they can re- relearn the habit of good life. 
Mm-hmm. Accountability. So they know what what are the consequences when we when we uh, fail to uh, to keep this commandment. What are the consequences that we'll deal with uh, here in in our family? What are the consequences that happen outside of here? Um, That's right. And if you say it on the internet, you've created a life that will never end. Mm-hmm. So don't don't say something on there you don't want to live with. Sure, or on the air. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Be careful on the air. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What you what you say uh, today is is documented in so many ways. Whether you're saying it on the internet, whether you're saying it in a conversation with with someone else uh, on a phone, even you know, as we've learned in the the last couple of years, that those conversations are documented as well, quite frequently. What? Yeah. Go ahead. No. Yes. Indeed. And like I say, have the con- start everything with a conversation within the family, within the home. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't believe if you sit down, kids, or you know, even their young kids, for even a half an hour to an hour every week or every other week, you can give so much guidance and give so much and listen and understand what's going on. We talked about debriefing, and quite frankly, it can be fun. Order a pizza, sit down over a pizza and talk, or order some tacos, or just order nothing. <laughs> just sit around and look at each other, find out who you are. But give them the principles, give them the flashlight, give them the direction. And guess what? It'll apply to politics, Internet, Facebook, interrelationships, and also building up each other. And, and that time, you know, talking together as a family, whether it be over a meal or, or other occasions, that time is not only time to talk about the Eighth Commandment, but also, as you pointed out earlier, uh, to talk about that mercy as well, uh, that exactly. mercy and forgiveness. And that's what enables us uh, to, to forgive others. That's where we're able to, uh, uh, to live as God has called us to live, uh, faithfully as families and as his children in this world. Well, Dr. Fiennes, we... want a good example of that, go to Isaiah 1, I think it's Isaiah 1, 18, something like that. The Lord says, come, let us reason together. Let's have a family talk. And even though your sins are scarlet, they're going to be white as snow, okay? He basically says, come here, let's talk, and I'll forgive your sins. Very good. Dr. Fiennes, always good to talk with you. Thanks for uh, your good advice today, and uh, I hope to have a good conversation with you again in the future. You got it, buddy. Anytime. I love it. God's God's blessings, blessings, everyone. Thanks. You too. Coming up later on this week, we'll continue our conversation on the Eighth Commandment. Coming up next, Moments of Assurance. Stick around for more right here on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. Listen to Faith and Family Monday through Friday at this time. Faith and Family is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is needed for Faith and Family to continue. Our address is 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can contact us on the web and download Faith and Family at KFUO.org. Worldwide KFUO, on the air, online, and on demand.